Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. We're talking some USC Trojan football. We are on the USC campus. If it sounds a little different, we're recording in one of the classrooms somewhere on the USC campus. I'm here with the coach, Harvey Hyde, talking USC football. I just watched Wednesday's practice, and we want to get into everything we saw out there. If you have any questions or comments for us, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. Or you can call us or text us. The number is 424-254-9141. And sitting right next to me in a little chair made for 18-year-old students is the Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. What's up, Coach? How you doing? Ryan, it's great. It's great to get out to practice, see everybody, uh, watch a group of athletes and the coaches work. And as you count down the number of days left, big scrimmage on Saturday, and you get ready for the opening game of the year. And there's nothing more exciting than getting ready for the opening game of the year because you work all year round. You work nine months for your opening game. And how important that game is, it sort of sets the stage for what people think of you, first of all, evaluate you, and sets the tone on exactly what you need to do to continue with a good opening performance against a conference team the next week. Yeah, it's going to be a rough, uh, rough stretch to start September. And Clay Helton mentioned that today. They had some noise being pumped into practice this week because they got road games against Stanford and Texas and Arizona, which is a trap game at the end of the month. You got to watch that coming off the Friday Washington State home game. We want to get to all your questions. We're talking about to the coach about what he saw out there today. Uh, but we want to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. You can give them a call at 1-800-888-7287 or go to SoCalTixTix.com. They've been helping the coach and I out for many, many years here on the Peristyle Podcast. So if you want to go see a show, you want to see uh, your favorite band playing, something like that, or, of course, any kind of sporting event, you can go to Southern California Tickets, and they will help you out. Coach, we were out there at practice today. It was a little hot. You had your green chair, which you love, which was good. I bring, I bring a green chair every once in a while. I like to sit down there sometimes because it gets a little hot. The sun's right in your face. What were your impressions from what you saw out there today? Well, Ryan, I'll tell you, I'm going to sort of repeat what you guys have said and maybe say it in a different way, but you can see the talent level has really improved and the depth has really improved. There's no question about it. And also, the players are starting to practice the way Coach Helton wants them to practice. And what I mean, it takes a period of time for a staff to get together, for kids to understand exactly what you ask them to do. The way you teach and the way they perform comes from your teaching. And I saw some good drills today, and then I saw the drills go to team and to seven-on-seven seven and different forms of getting better, and they, and they did execute what they did in individual drills. Now, there's still work to be done, but when you have a group of athletes like this, 85 athletes, then the number one thing you say is we've got to make sure we don't screw this up. we got to make sure that we get the players on the field that should be on the field. We know in most cases, not all cases, our X is bigger than their O. So we've got to make sure that we don't put 
too much in the offense and defense. We got to make sure they can execute, use their athletic ability, and we don't want them thinking on the field. Yeah. We want them knowing what their assignment is and let it go. Yeah. And uh, I think one of the things you see out there, I think it's been more physical. And, uh, you know, it was not full pads today. One thing, though, there was a little, and we'll see, get your thoughts on this. There is a rotation with the quarterbacks because they still have three guys vying for the spot. A couple days ago, Matt Fink really didn't get many turns. It was mostly JT Daniels and, uh, and, and Jack Sears. Today it was actually kind of JT Daniels' day off. I counted him with four passes he threw today. So it, during the 7-on-7 seven seven, or during the 11-on-11, eleven eleven, I don't think they did any 7-on-7. Seven seven. So it seemed like, the, especially yesterday too, it was more of a run-oriented day. They didn't throw a lot of passes. I think Matt Fink had 13 of them today, but not a ton of reps in those competitive periods so that's kind of what i track but what if you're out there i mean i think everything matters right throwing the just receivers against air or one-on-ones and things like that does it concern you at all that there's it seems to be fewer like team reps for the quarterbacks as as camp stretches on not yet you know i feel sorry for coach helton every single day someone asks him the question when are you going to announce who's a starting quarterback yeah. and the poor guy tries to be nice instead of saying <laughs> Why did you ask me a question if you didn't answer the last 10 days? <laughs> he, he really, it, he would like to tell you, hey, this is who the start is going to be. But right now they're in a process and they got to make sure that whoever doesn't start, that those kids know they had an equal shot and they will endorse and support the starting quarterback. And they've got to remember, too, they're one play away yeah. from playing, one play away from playing. And if something was to happen, and certainly that's not something we want to even think about. But they're one play from going into the game. So I want to see the and make sure they stay uh, concentrate on what's going on in practice. They don't wander. They focus. And on the game, during the game, they've got to focus. I hope they're all up on headsets. I hope they're listening to every play so they know what the coaches are talking about. They know what play's going on. So when they go in the game, they know what's been good, what's been bad, and what they need to improve on. Yeah, and uh, it's obviously the big – any interview I do, they want to talk about the quarterbacks. A lot of our questions that people send in, Coach, are about the quarterbacks. We had Jason from Longhorn Country. To this point in camp, what are your thoughts on the QB competition? And then Tarek, uh, who writes in a lot, we, we love his questions. He said, is this really a two-man race between Sears and Daniels, or is Fink really in the mix post-scrimmage? And, you know, I, I really thought after Monday's practice where Fink didn't get a lot of reps – um, that, you know, maybe he was out, but he was the guy going in first today. So he had the most reps today. So I think, and I asked Clay Hilton about it, and he said, no, it's just part of the rotation. And it seems like that it's part of the rotation. But what are your thoughts on Jason and Tarek with the, the quarterback competition? Well, you know, it's good to have competition. What if you didn't have competition? I mean, what if you just had one guy that was a freshman and nobody was competing against him? How does he get any better? The way you get better is with competition, whether you're a quarterback, a lineman, or whatever, whoever you go against. And when you have that type of competition where you know every play means something, then you get better too. You, you study more. You know the, the plays better. You want the confidence of the team. You need to perform. So I really think that this competition is good for this football team. And I think that all the players on the offensive side of the ball have bought into this situation. I don't see anybody that hasn't bought in. I don't see receivers as far as counting. Oh, I'm not going this time because he's throwing the ball. You know, there's a lot of that that goes on. Yeah. So they, they take their turn. It doesn't make any difference who the quarterback is. So they bought into the process of what's going on. 
See, I like doing the podcast with you in person. There's a lot of hand motion and going on. I wish you could see that, everyone out there, but it's good. Yeah, don't duck. No, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> Coach is, yeah, he's in your face kind of guy. I love it. I'm going to get, he's going to show me where the pad levels need to be. He's going <laughs> to, um, we had Jared write in too. He said, question for Coach Hyde. So far, the three quarterbacks have been broken down as Jack Sears has turned a corner and looks much improved. I would agree with that. JT Daniels is as good as advertised. I'd agree with that. Meanwhile, Fink is, quote-unquote, doing well, too. I would say he's doing better than he did uh, in the spring, but you know, maybe not as good as the other two guys, in my opinion, at least. He said, if one player has fallen behind the other two by a considerable margin, then wouldn't it be prudent uh, to move to a two-man competition? I think that is beneficial not just to the athletes competing for the job and to have success during the season, but also to the third guy who deserves to know where he stands as he looks towards his long-term future as a player, i.e. transferring versus staying. Curious on Coach's opinion. Uh, I agree. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, after the scrimmage on Saturday, probably on Monday, uh, you're going to have a starting quarterback. Or you're going to have two that are 1-2 fighting by Tuesday or Wednesday of the following week before the game. Uh, I mean, well, we've got still two weeks before the game. We've got two Saturdays, right? We've got one more the 24th. Or the 25th, and then we got the game on the on the on the, on first. the first. Yeah. So, pretty soon now, you're going to see it go to two rotation. Okay, and you're going to see a dejected guy who doesn't uh, get as many turns. It's yeah. natural. I wouldn't feel right unless he was ejected. That means he didn't care. He wasn't a winner. He, it means a lot to these guys. Sure. So you've got to really. Uh, let them know that this is nothing personal. It's just so far with our valuation, this is what it is. Because you've got a responsibility to the other teammates, the other 20, 84 guys on this team, to try to select the guy who's going to lead you into competition for this season. So you're going to see it happen. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if they go to two on Monday, and then after the next scrimmage or whatever it is the, the following week, then they're going to name their starter. I, I agree with you, Coach. It's um, And maybe today with uh, Matt Fink getting a lot of reps, maybe this was like – and he, I think he came out throwing the ball really well. He missed a couple of passes late. But, uh, you know, there's, we were talking about 13 passes in those competitive periods. But, um, you know, maybe it's one of those cases where you give him a shot, uh, see, you know, he'll get some equal reps during the – you know, over the weekend and the scrimmage. They got a couple of days off, and then they're back on practice on Tuesday. By then – I think I agree with you. I think by then – it might be at least be a two-man race. And so a guy like JT Daniels who had four passes today, and he completed them all, but he just didn't have a lot of turns, maybe you already know what you got there. He's had the most reps if I counted throughout fall camp, but maybe this is what they're doing. They're leading up to this weekend. You have the scrimmage, and then after that we'll find out if it's a two-man race or who wins maybe. And I, I agree, and you don't want to burn a guy's arm out. You realize how many passes they throw in practice, not just – you're talking yeah. about team. Yeah. But look how many individual routes they throw sure. during the, during a period. So it's not like they're not throwing. They're throwing a lot of routes and they're doing a lot of drills. So, you know, you got to be careful not to get a sore arm too, like a pitcher gets a sore arm. So you've got to bring it along and but they've thrown a lot this summer, but you don't want something to happen now right before the first game. And I agree with you. I think JT Daniels, they know who JT Daniels is. I think he proved a lot last Saturday. And I think they know who Jack Sears is. I think right now, looking at the competition that these guys played in high school, big-time competition in modern day, big-time high, uh, high school competition at San Clemente. Um, Glendora, good competition, but a little bit lower level. Yeah. So the speed of the game was a little bit different there. 
So you are able to be able to star a little bit more, but guys don't run as fast. Or there's not as many great players. So I think that's what Matt has to fight against, playing against guys that have more ex experience against top competition. So I'm not saying that th that's the order, but I'm saying you go back and you look at everything before you sit down with your staff and decide who it is, and you say, who has been on the big stage? Yeah. Who can continue to stay on the big stage? Because we're going to have a big stage when you're the quarterback at USC. Yeah. And Jared also wants to know, hey, Coach, who are you pulling for, USC or UNLV? <laughs> <laughs> well, I got four years of my life at UNLV there, but uh, I'm going to stay neutral. Uh, I've been asked to do a lot of things as far as for UNLV down here, I go a little uh, – party sit with them in the press box their SID and all this and that but I said no I'm not going to do that on Friday night in case you see me I'm going to be at their alumni party okay, oh, okay. I got to go to that because I know a lot of people that have been sure. very good to me okay so I'm going to go there and uh, be with them and then Saturday I'm not sure I'll go to the game I think I'll watch it on TV with the parking problems and I'm not trying to trying to tell people don't go to the game but, you know, they're talking about parking being very difficult and everything out there that I think I'll sit back and watch it a one o'clock game and watch a bunch of other games at the same time and find out what's going on. That way, no one can tell me if I'm in the press box, what happened on that? What would you have done on this one? Right. And all of a sudden, what happens? I missed the next three plays. Because <laughs> I see somebody comes over, how you doing, coach? I haven't seen you for a while. And I said, what happened there? What happened on that play? And I'm trying to look at the, the monitor, and they're doing a hurry-up offense, and I mix it, miss the next two plays. Yeah. So sometimes it's best for me just to sit in my room all by myself with my dog and watch a game. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. And just so people know, uh, we had – this is all like – Live stuff. Oh, it's not live, but right, you know, right after practice, we're doing this. But earlier today, we had a little tour of the Coliseum construction um, area. So it was pretty cool to kind of see everything, the temporary press boxes and all that stuff. There's uh, these new pavilions for students, so students can kind of hang out and congregate in like the corners of the end zones on the peristyle side. And then the scholarship club, so you know, some of the bigger donors, they'll have an area like that too. And there's some cool stuff outside, but. Um, they definitely said they were talking about parking, all of that parking up against Vermont. Uh, that's all gone because those were, those are were all like soccer fields and stuff. Those are all now gone because they're building the Lucas Museum. Next year, there'll be underground parking there. So there'll actually be more spots. But this year, there's not a lot. There's no paid parking. There's no like drive up to the Coliseum and pay to park anymore. So it's only permits. So and there's limited parking on the USC campus you can go to. Um, so if you're going to the game, they want you to go early. There's a lot of stuff, so make sure you check online. Don't do it the way you normally do it because everything's going to be different. Different. It is. Yeah. And a lot of people are talking about taking the train and doing different things like that and, and somebody taking a van and eight people in the van and, and uh, leave early <laughs> and enjoy it. I'm telling you. Because yeah. you don't want to go inside the Coliseum and be complaining and upset because you couldn't find a place and – I had to walk, or some people say, I'll turn around and go home. Hey, you don't want that type of attitude. <laughs> Just understand what you're what you're going to, okay? A year from now, it's going to be a beautiful facility, okay? There'll be a bit, so you got to struggle through the pain. You got to struggle through the growth of this. Remember, it takes nine months to have a baby. Yeah. So give them some time to build the Coliseum the way it's supposed to be, right? Right. I agree with the coach. Um, all right, well, let's go to a voicemail question. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? This is Kelly D. from California. Um, just wanted to touch on two things. Um, 
one is the offense and one is the defense. One, as far as the offense, I'm at every practice, and I usually sit on the on the baseball side, so um, I can pretty much see anything and everything. I played at a high level. I think um, this question is to you, and this statement is to you and, and Coach Harvey High. Why are they passing this kid um, JT Daniels a throne when he hasn't really proven anything? My point is what I've seen in fall camp, I think Sears look like a better quarterback at the moment. I mean, we're poised and a little bit more experienced, so I wouldn't handle it. I wouldn't hand JT Daniels a throne just yet. As far as on the defensive side, I think the defense looked really, really good. Guys are flying around. Um, if we can just get a little bit more penetration as far as our D-line, um, our, CD, our CBs, our cornerbacks, um, we have a lot of experience. Um, I like the kid um, um, Lockett. Um, he seems solid. He seemed like he's a smart kid. He don't make too many mistakes. And um, the kid, um, 24, comes in a game and then practice in his um, in his reps. And it's like if he's not in the first or second rep, he he, he has bad body language and and things like that. What would Coach Harvey Hyde, if he what would he do as a coach if he was coaching his US, USC team? What would he do to number 24 if he having bad body language all the time? I think I won't give him any more chances. Thank you, Kelly D, Los Angeles, California. Oh, well, first of all, thank you very much for your, your question. I'll try not to forget parts of that question, but yeah. you asked a, a lot, but I'll, I'll go through it here. First of all, let me start with number 24. And and uh, my thought, Isaiah Langley, the yeah, defensive right. back. Yeah, I wasn't going to mention his name. But, okay, but we did. But <laughs> well, they're going to talk about it. Is, yeah, right. okay. Yeah. okay. Uh, Just first of all, yeah. uh, myself personally, I haven't noticed the body language. If it's there, it's got to be corrected. And I think that happens in a, a, a you've played ball, you know it in a coaching uh, meeting with your defensive back coach. If he sees that, I think it's only fair that he sits down and says, "Hey, by pouting or showing that you don't like what's going on." Uh, is going to help you. It isn't. What's going to help you is your performance and being a leader and wanting to be out there. So I'd have that talk with him that, hey, I see it. People see it. So it's not going to do you any good. So let's get rid of that. I like you as a football player. You've got a great opportunity. If you're not going to start, you're one play away. And he could start. So, you know, you've got to be able to be a, a team football player. You're not an individual, and if he is an individual, then you got to say you're not going to play if you're an individual because one mistake or one pout or, or one aggressive hit or something cost his football team. So uh, that's the first thing I'd do in private, not on the field, in a little get-together and say, how you doing, what's going on, let me tell you what I've noticed, I think you're doing a good job, but, and get through that and get it done. Now, as far as Sears is concerned, as far as, the quarterback situation, I think a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, I mentioned this. It's going to take a lot of, of I don't know, guts, let's say, for JT Daniels not to start. And I, I'm going to tell you, with the preseason pub and what he's done and uh, everybody, every question is JT Daniels by the media right off the bat. Uh, it, it's going to be a tough call by Coach Clay Helton. And I think this is one reason he doesn't, he doesn't want to make a, a decision yet because he wants to make sure. And I think everybody said the same thing. They've seen a lot of improvement on Jack Sears, especially from the spring. Let's give him credit. 
he really has uh, performed and he's really become a, a standout player where people didn't think maybe he would be there right now. They thought Matt Fink would be number two if you were to put him in order. And I'm not in any way putting him in order. But since you brought up Jack Sears, but I think the competition is really close. But again, you've got to look at what people are looking at. If he doesn't start JT Daniels and they're not successful, what are they going to say? Oh, here's another Mac Brown deal. Here's another Mac Brown. He couldn't make Max, the Max Brown. Brown yeah. yeah, Mac Brown. Here's another one of these situations. So he doesn't want that to happen either. So whoever he starts, he's got to make sure this is the guy because he doesn't want to be second-guessed like you don't want to be second-guessed or anybody wants to be second-guessed. Yeah. So it's got to be the guy because the team know who's the guy. I'm going to tell you right now. Right. The team knows right now if you had the offensive team vote right now today who they'd want to start tomorrow's game and you threw it in a hat and wrote a name, they know. Okay. <laughs> they know who it is, okay? So they know what's going on, but they sit in the meetings, the same meetings, and yeah. they hear all that yeah, he should have done this or done that or whatever. Right. So I, I can't tell you what coach is thinking or the staff is thinking, but I think Sears has had a great fall. I think Daniels is better than what I anticipated him being, really, at this time. And I think Fink is playing his butt off trying to stay right there. Yeah. Um, just for on the DB side of it, too. So today, during one-on-one -on -one periods, Marvell Tell and uh, Greg Johnson had interceptions in the one-on-ones on both on balls that the receivers had touched previously. And Isaiah Langley had a nice interception. I think it was later in the one-on-one -on -one period. And then you also mentioned number 23, Jonathan Lockett, who had the hip problems. And he, you know, he was slated to be the starter at nickel before. Been mostly backing up uh, Janie Harris at the nickel spot. He had an interception against Jack Sears today, too. Um, yeah, Sears, it wasn't Sears' best day. That ball, I just think there was a miscommunication. There was no one near it if you saw that pass. It just kind of fluttered out there, and and uh, Jonathan Lockett picked it off. But both guys you mentioned um, had interceptions today, so they had good, you know. Let me, let me mention this. It, it's not easy to throw out there because I watch the defense real closely. They're coming with every single thing they can throw at the offensive line. Cross charges, gap charges, splitses, stunts. I was watching to see if the back was picking up people, if they were stepping down. And all it takes is one guy to make a mistake or pick up the wrong guy or the guy slips by him or power rushes by him, and you got somebody in the quarterback's face. This is one thing that Sam Darnold did last year. If you look at Sam Darnold, how many touchdown passes did he throw running around on the scramble yeah. to the right especially, throwing back, finding the receiver, because of the rush on the quarterback. Well, these guys, when you face USC's defense, they come at you with everything. That's the philosophy of the defense, and he's not holding back. No. He's going after these guys. So, you know, it's not an easy chore, and, and if you played a lot of football, you know it's tough throwing on your back yeah. and, and throwing <laughs> over the size of these guys. So they got to block it up up front. They got to block it up and go to a lot more quicker routes or so on to give these guys a chance to get some good uh, completions. Hey, Coach, I want to ask you this myself. A couple days ago, so at the scrimmage, there were nine sacks. Mm -hmm. And obviously the, the offensive lines come under fire after the, the Cotton Bowl, you know, what Ohio State was able to do to the, the USC front. And it seemed like maybe a coordinated effort from the coaches. We were talking to Brian Ellis, the quarterback coach. Clay Helton brought up. They kind of brought this up on their own, say, bla basically blaming the quarterbacks for a lot of those sacks, saying that, they didn't get rid of the ball quick enough, or if you get off your spot, they're blocking for the offensive line's blocking for a certain area. That there was a couple physical beats, but 
you know, for the most part, it was the quarterback's fault. To me, it just kind of rung as that was they're trying to, you know, not protect the offensive line a little bit. Would you agree with that? I agree. Okay. I agree with you because, believe me, if you want him to throw the ball right away, don't you think he'd throw the ball right away if the guy was open? (laughs) Normally he would. You don't want him to throw into a a group of defensive players if the guy's covered. So he's looking, he's trying to read, and he doesn't have a chance to go to his second or third guy. Because they're on him. Yeah. So, you know, if, he, if you want to throw the ball quick and the guy's covered, then he's going to throw it out of bounds. So you don't want that to happen. You've got to be, gave, give, be able to give him, when they're coming after you, maximum protection, which means you step down and you block, block your back away from the tight end, you keep your tight end in, or you go to two backs and they check. If they're stunning or blitzing, they pick up that guy or swing or run her out. So there's a lot of different things you have to do when you face this type of defense. And their offense right now is in game planning their defense. They're just coming after you. Yeah, They're, they are. And it's, it's been pretty impressive. I've been impressed with the defense. Um, Ed in the Bay Area wrote in. He's not very optimistic, Coach. He says, so I saw the schedule for week two of fall camp. And there's only one full pads practice. Looks like the same MO for this coaching staff. They say they want to be tough, but do nothing to make that happen. Your thoughts on the lack of physical practices, dot, 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 again. Uh, Ed from the Bay Area. All right, Ed from the Bay Area. First of all, there's uh, NCAA rules and regulations on how many days you can go full pads and this and that and helmets and shoulder pads. So you've got a lot of different things you have to deal with today rather than the days when I coach. The days when I coach, these, these players have got it made. Anybody that plays football out there knew years ago, fall camp was two or three practices today. Full gear, going after each other, scrimmaging, inside drill, outside drill. It was camp. It was yeah. That's what it was. Now they got nutrition breaks. They've got a cook that it puts a, cooks them all the time. They got snacks all the time. They have one practice a day. It's a whole different deal. And so it's tough to get physical. Yeah, It's really tough to get physical like before. Before when you got hurt and today with all the injuries that happened and so on, before, if you remember, a guy would hurt himself and you'd say, Oh, man, that's a long ways from your heart. You're okay. That's your ankle. And the guy would try to walk it off. Well, it's different now. It's different because of the factors involved in injuries and the protection of players. So I think that's very good. Don't get me wrong. But think about how do you get physical when you can't be physical all the time in practice. So what you got to do is the days when you have pads, then you got to have really a physical football practice. You can't work all the other little drills and things you do, you got to get after it. Yeah. Tackling full speed, everything. Now, I don't know how many drills they've done where tackling is full speed, but you got to do everything full speed like the game. Like I was talking with Todd Hewitt today, the equipment man. I said, Coach, uh, how are you approaching the new rules as far as the pants? Uh, the pants have got to be now uh, covering the knee, okay. and they're not covering the knee, so that's going to be something different on game day. So you better start working with that because you got to get used to wearing those type of pants. Because if you're not doing that, they pull you out of the game if you cut cut your pants or anything. You're out. You're out of the game. And also your shirts. Your shirts have got to be all tucked in. Your jerseys can't be wrapped wrapped up under. So with that tucked in and everything open or the way you do it, you got a different range of motion as far as getting used to. Okay. So you've got to start pretty soon practicing like you play. So I think that's something that coaches are aware of. 
I'm sure Coach uh, Todd Hewitt's aware of it, and they have their talks, but these are the little things. you got to play the game uh, the way you're supposed to play it, and that's part of the way you dress. All right. Well, you, you must like those new rules, so I think uh, I would think you'd like those. I like uh, that yeah. rule. You don't yeah. know how much I like that rule, man. I think I, I asked do. him today, are we wearing all white socks? He says, we're wearing white socks all but one game, and I won't tell you what that is. Oh, okay. And then after, just so behind-the-scenes stuff, after practice – Clay Helton's going to come over to the media. Of course, he stops to, to give Coach Harvey Hyde a hug and chat a little bit. Well, he's going to do the Pasadena Quarterbacks Club. So, yeah, he, he's the best. You, I, yeah. I, tell, I tell you on every podcast how much I like him. Yeah. I, he's a personal – what do I say? I give him the best compliment when I say if I had a son, I'd want him to play for him. Yeah. And you've, I, I know you feel the same way. Sure. I, I really do, and I, and I want to – uh, watch his back and do the things that are necessary because I've been in a situation like we were talking there for a moment. And if you want to come to the Passing a Quarterback Club, it's open to the public. It's going to, and you're coming, Ryan. I'm I, coming. I got you a press table, buddy. You're a comp, okay? Yes. You're a comp. But you just go to uh, passingthequarterback.com, I think it is, or is it .org? I think it was passingthequarterbacks.org, I okay. believe. Okay. Yeah. And it has a list of. If you of, Google it, it's up there. Yeah. Right? It has all the speakers. It's August the 31st. He'll be there. Be there about 11.15 because we sell out. I mean, the okay. place is going to be packed. We have a great buffet. I mean, you'll think you're at Caesar's Palace in Vegas. Yeah, I love the buffet there. It really is. Uh, and then Clay Helton will speak uh, probably from 12 to 1. And then he's got to get back to practice. So what, he's, he's speaking uh, Friday the 31st, the 31st. Right before the game. Mm-hmm. When's uh, Chip Kelly coming? <laughs> I'm just throwing that. He won't be. There. If you're a UCLA fan, so Dan Guerrero. No, no, and I, no, and I, and I and I'll say it. I invited him. Okay, I'm not afraid to tell you guys. I tell you exactly. I I invited uh, Chip Kelly to come. If you know, and you read the article in the Times. He doesn't do anything. Yeah. The people don't even know if he's married. I mean, the way I read that article. Correct me if I'm wrong. He was single before. I don't know if he's married. Uh, I don't now. know what his deal is, but he doesn't believe in going and letting people know about his football program. Yeah. And, uh, you know, since they play in passing in the Rose Bowl, I don't think that's a good idea. Well, they haven't been to the Rose Bowl for so many years that they made it their home stadium, so they make sure they would get there. You know what I mean? But a but little I, you know, and I'm not easy on him because I think it's BS. Yeah. I think you have an obligation to the UCLA Bruin alumni who want to come and listen to you speak. Yeah. And you sell your program and you'll be a part of the community and so on. With the Tournament of Roses there, with the Pac-12, hell, we're getting the deputy commissioner from the Pac-12 to come down. We got three ADs coming from Washington State, Utah, and uh, Dan Guerrero who's oh, coming. Said, yeah. And Dan says, I'll be there. So, you know, we got great – Jake Jake Olson's going to speak that's there. That's great. Yeah. Jake Olson's going to speak there. So if he doesn't want to speak there, that's fine. That's fine. That's his priority. Just show up when you play Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he might not want to come to the game. I don't know. Uh, maybe not. Uh, okay, we got a couple more. We'll let you go. It's kind of hot in this little classroom here. Um, we got Nick from Cypress, a.k.a. Big Nick 21 USC from the P. He says, hi, what's your opinion on the overall play of the defensive line and the pass rush? I hear good things. Is that because this defensive line is good, or is it that the offensive line doesn't have the coaching to make the offensive line competitive? Obviously, as you can tell, I'm not the biggest fan of Neil Calloway. He actually wrote in another thing about Neil Calloway, too. So he's not a huge Neil Calloway fan. Um, Any thoughts on the offensive-defensive line play? Well, what I'd like to see more with the defensive line is just have a regular rush. Learn to do it the hard way before you do it the easy way. And what I mean by that, I used to teach defense – on the way that we're not going to do a stunt or a blitz or anything until you guys learn how to play just straight defense, the hard way. We're not going to give you any help. If you got to get to the quarterback, you two guys or you four guys, you get to the quarterback. 
I got to have confidence that if we want to cover, you four can put a rush on it. Gotcha. And so I would make them, and when I believed that they would go hard every down and get to the quarterback, at least flush him out or do something, and you better contain. Because if you don't contain, it doesn't do you any good. Then we go to the easy stuff to help you out. I don't believe you help the rush when you throw all this stuff at the offense or you make it easy for the defense when they don't know just exactly how tough it's supposed to be where your front guys are supposed to get there. Hey, you guys are my guys, man. Yeah. I mean, you eat nails if you have to. <laughs> you know what I mean? You take your cleats off with your teeth. I mean, this is the kind of teaching you do at that defensive line. And those guys take pride. And we don't need any blitzes. We don't need any stunts, Coach. We'll get there ourselves. Nice. All right. Well, you're fired up. I like this. Like this in person. No, I just came off the practice field. You yeah, know how I feel. I'm ready. Is, you're fired up. Okay. Uh, we got one last voicemail question. We'll let you go. Here you go, Coach. Hi, Ryan. This question is for Coach. This is Curtis from Moreno Valley. The quarterbacks. I asked a question a couple of months ago uh, about the read option. I asked you to explain it to us because Clay had told us these the quarterbacks would go the distance. But you kind of shortchanged everybody on on the real definition of it because you went into how you didn't think they were going to run the quarterback based on, you know, how they run things. Well, they've always run the read option, but they never had a true threat to run. Now I hear they're telling them to run. If they're not open, do your progressions, take off, and they do the read option. And it's hard to collapse down on the running back like you told us before if there's a threat to run. So please explain the deadliness of the read option and how it helps the running back get loose also to the peristyle because we have quarterbacks that can go the distance like Clay said way back then. Curtis is from Moreno Valley. Well, uh, first of all, you got to practice that to be able to be good at it, okay? Because you could have a lot of fumbles if you try to pull the ball out. The back's not sure if you're giving it to it. you got to work on it all the time. And it's a great way to stretch the defense. You don't want people collapsing on the running back all the time. So you got to stretch, stretch, stretch the offense. Now, you've got a couple of quarterbacks that can run, but you're not going to run JT Daniels, only if he scrambles because he can't find anybody and slides. So, you know, you've got to look at the who your quarterback is and then select the offense that you're going to run. With JT Daniels, I'd run more of a two-back type of set, put St. John or put uh, Brown in the slot, run uh, uh, flies with him, fake it, uh, take some things under center, reverse. Uh, he'd stretch the defense and hit the tight end on pops and slants and different things. But you got to work on that. You got to you you just can't read. So they're not truly a read type of offense. They they are a stretch type of offense. I haven't seen them do. Much stretch where you start to run off tackle and you stretch it to the outside. But you got to have an outside game to hold people. They do that a lot with the bubble screens and hitches and things to try to hold the corners out there. But to be a read and a good read, you got to spend a lot of time on that as far as writing them in there, pulling it out, making sure that the, uh, the, the running back knows that, you know, he's not sure and he gets a feel of when he's going to get the ball and when he's not. And then the quarterback, too, has to be aware of, too, and the reads of what's going on. There's a different type of reads that you do, too. There's some type of reads you read three guys. You run the strong safety. If the strong safety fills, you throw it to the tight end. So there's so many different type of reads that you can do 
off of the option. But I don't really believe USC is a read team. I think it's uh, just keep the ball, fake it, and keep the ball. I don't think they do enough to work on that. So uh, that's the best way I would explain it. But you got two different types of, of quarterbacks, and I think you've got to use the, the offense that best fits who your starting quarterback is. And you do kind of get the feeling that if it's Matt Fink or Jack Sears, there might be more actual zone read kind of incorporated into, especially with Matt Fink. But Jack Sears is really, I thought, I mean, he's he ran faster times significantly than like what Sam Darnold was running. And JT Daniels can run, but it's more, I think it's going to be more of a Sam Darnold thing where you run when you have to and yeah. you want him to slide or get out of bounds. But I think with the, and I think the problem is if you're going to have someone run that offense, you kind of need a second guy too. So it can't just be, if, if there was no Jack Sears to, if like Matt Fink was starting and they wanted to run that offense, at least if he got hurt, you, know, you would have Jack Sears that could do it too. Because if you bring in JT Daniels, you're bringing, it's completely, you know, it's going to be completely different what you're running. So I don't know, Curtis, like uh, it's just not, you know. It, it's not in their playbook. I, it's, it's yeah, not, I don't think it's going to be a significant you know, part of it. They ran like an option today. I don't know if you noticed it. Yeah. Where the quarterback just came down the line and tossed the ball. That's not an option. That's just a wide sweep. That that quarterback is not reading, the, taking a step back and charging at the defensive end or outside linebacker. And if he crashes, I toss or I turn up if he comes if he comes up the field. Uh, I, I don't know why they run that play, but you're running laterally more than you're running up yeah. the field. You want to go up the field and you want to get yards, and they don't really do that. Yeah, I think you see if you see JT Daniels in there after the handoff, he'll do like a fake pump. He'll you know like he's throwing the ball or something afterwards. So. I, I think you're right. I mean, if you're going to see someone running this, they're they're running this exclusively. I mean, it's like if you're running the triple option, like you're doing this all the time. You're all doing the time. if you try to mix in one play, like it's you know it might work because you never see it, but it's not really a part of your offense. So we'll see. I think it would it you know if Jack Sears or Matt Fink wins the job, you know if they win, then maybe you're going to see more of that incorporate. I don't know where. It's the zone read kind of concept, but you actually would have the quarterback quarterback take off and run the ball. But I don't think you're going to see that if JT Daniels uh, wins out. But No, I tell you, I haven't seen <clears throat> much of under center at all, and I'd really Not like much. to see a lot of that. I really would for short yardage situations and goal line situations, and you can run some really some great plays. I hope they will start working on that. Yeah. All right, well, Coach, we got our questions done. We got our observations. for Anything else you want to say before we leave this hot classroom? No, I just want to say I'm glad I'm not taking this class. <laughs> With the stuff they got on the board up here, I don't even know what they're talking about, okay? You got the periodic table of the elements up there. I think this is actually, I tweeted, I think USC tweeted a picture of John Baxter speaking to, it might have been students or athletes or something, and it was from the side. I think it was this classroom. But it, it looked exactly like that, that periodic table up there. And that kind of looks like the same table I had when I was in college. And then, oh, yeah. and I, you know, I, I, was, I was an engineer. I used to be smart coach, if you don't, I don't know if you know that. I but I used to were. be smart you back in the are. day. Um, but I think there's like a newer one now. I'm like, is that like from, you know, like the 80s or something? Or is it like an old periodic table? I'm not sure. I tweeted about it and some people are like, yeah, it's been updated or whatever, but I don't know. So, But I think we're in the same classroom as I tweeted that picture out. Well, good. We're the only two in here. There's no professor, and I don't have to take a test in here, so yeah. I feel pretty good. And no one came and interrupted us, which is No good. one came and interrupted us. I was surprised the door was open. Yeah. There's like a keypad lock on the door, and it was – I think you we picked walked it. In. I do. I might I have picked, picked it out of it. I, I my engineering background. I got sticky fingers. I know you do. Yeah. You well – Go ahead. Yeah, well, that's the Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow me at Inside Troy. Thank you for 
tuning into the Peristyle Podcast. Sorry if the audio, hopefully the audio quality is okay when I edit this, but uh, we are like recording on my little recorder in a classroom at USC, like I said. But we wanted to get you kind of instant reaction post-practice. So I'll get this up tonight on Wednesday. And then, you know, by the time you listen to this, just let it, you know, just so you know, we came right in after practice talking about all this stuff. So that's the coach. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks for tuning in. And we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.